invite you to take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We are starting to journey our way through the book of Ephesians. I titled our series as God's Treasure Chest. And as God's Treasure Chest, we began to find some valuable riches of God's grace in His His infinite love that He has displayed to us here today. We looked at last Sunday morning of some of those riches, some of the treasures that God has given to us. We picked up the emerald of election, and we talked about that for a few moments as Paul reminded us of our election, that God has elected us into the calling of salvation. And then we picked up the peril of predestination, of that peril of reminding us of that God has predestined us to be conformed into his perfect image of his son. And then, of course, we picked up the ruby of redemption, that through the royal red blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has washed us and cleansed us, paid the price for our sins. Today, we're going to pick up another treasure today. And that treasure today is the treasure of silver, the silver of security. Oh, I'm so thankful for the security that God has given to us as children of the Lord. So with your Bibles in hand, I invite you to turn to chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 13 and 14. Chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, verse 13 and 14. With your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word? The Apostle Paul, as he was writing to the church of Ephesus, he shares with us here today, he says, In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now keep that thought in mind. The Bible says that you were sealed there of that promise of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 14, the Bible says, Who has the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That purchased possession Of course, he is speaking about that possession of not only the Holy Spirit, of the the inheritance of one day we're going to heaven and to experience the glories of God there in heaven. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so thankful and grateful for the wonderful treasures that we have found hidden in the pages of this scripture. We're so grateful that you have blessed us in such a unique way.
by your grace and by your love, your infinite redemption and your wonderful, matchless love that you have shared with us today. Lord, we come together hungering to learn more about these riches. And though that we are people that who have possessed the mighty riches of God, that we are valuable. And Father, I pray that today that your Holy Spirit may anoint us, that we may not only be able to deliver the word, but that we'll be able to receive the word. And may Christ be honored and glorified in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I think about security, I think about a story that I read about Coca-Cola. In 1925, a copy of the formula of Coca-Cola was there in a bank in New York City. And there it was there later transferred to the bank of Woodruff Bank in Atlanta, Georgia, which is now SunTrust Bank. It's in a vault. And no one can view that formula. It is so secure that if you were to view the formula, you had to get permission by the board of trustees of Coca-Cola. And then, there had to be witness of that time that you would view it by the chairman or the president of Coca-Cola so that making sure that it would not be copied and would not be in any way taken away from the value that it possesses. I thought about that. How secure the value of the formula of Coca-Cola. And then I began to think about, I've got something far more valuable than that. And that is my eternal assurance in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that my eternal assurance in the Lord Jesus Christ has come to the point that makes me valuable and rich with the possessions that God has given to me. Now, let me ask you a question. I think it's an honest question. I think it's a good question. I think it's a question that you could appreciate. Have you ever doubted your salvation? I'm sure that if we would take survey, that every single one of us, including the one that is standing before you, sometime in where you, after you have become saved, there was a point that you doubted your salvation. I like what uh, D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody said, if you've never doubted your salvation, I doubt you've ever been saved. And I think that is so true. And we need to be honest with ourselves. There have been times in our life as we are growing, especially in our early years of our salvation, there have been times and moments 
where I may have doubted my salvation. Now, when it comes to this matter of eternal security, the preservation of the saints, the perseverance of the saints, I think that you will fall between two, one of two sides of the fences. Number one, you'll either believe that salvation depends upon God holding upon you, or you holding upon God. There's a major difference. God's holding on to you, or you holding on to God. Now, I must admit, if, if it, my salvation depended upon me holding upon God, my friend, I'm going to slip. And I'm going to fall. And I'm going to falter. And my friend, I don't care who he is. I don't care whether he's the Pope or Billy Graham himself. If they are trying to hold on to God for their salvation, my friend, you're going to falter. But I'm so grateful to know that the Bible says God holds on to me. And through his wonderful, wonderful love, He has secured me and kept me. Now, I know there's these people that are always talking about how can some of you Baptists believe in eternal security? Well, number one, I believe it's in the Bible. I believe it's the Word of God. I always ask the question to these people that who doubt I mean, who believe that you can lose your eternal security, I ask these two questions. Number one, what does it take to lose it? And then show me somebody in the Bible that has lost their salvation. And almost every time when I say that, oh, what about Judas? What about Judas? Judas was a disciple and he fell away. No, my friend, he didn't fall away. The Bible said that Jesus said from the very beginning that one of you is a devil. Son of prediction. That's exactly right, Brother Ken. So Judas never was saved in the first place, my friend. So you cannot show me somebody in the Bible that who have lost their salvation. My friend, I want you to understand that Ever since Christ came into my life, ever since I have gotten saved, my friend, I want you to know I have been eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean I have, have, I have sinned in my life at times? Of course. In fact, let me just ask you a question. How many of you, since you've been saved, ever told a lie? Man, look at all the hands. How many, since you've been saved, stole something? We got a bunch of liars and thieves in this place. (laughs) Absolutely, my friend. I want you to understand that that is a part of the sinful nature that has never been abandoned and will not be abandoned until we go to be with the Lord. And receive his glory. And so therefore, friend, I want you to understand, this is where the Bible begins to talk to us a few moments about the seal 
of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that in verse 13. Let's go back to verse 13 just for a second. It says, and in him you trusted. After you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, listen to this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, when you think of a seal, what do you think of? Children would say, that's an animal at the zoo. A mechanic would say, that is what you put around as a gasket to keep the transmission fluid from leaking. Women would say, well, a seal is what is around a mason jar that seals and preserves. A lawyer would say a seal is a a seal that goes upon a document that makes it legal that finalizes a transaction. A seal is finished and changes and possesses a new ownership. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he speaks about the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's the seal upon a document to make it authenticated and to reveal the transaction that has taken place. Now, with that in mind, let's go back and think just for a few moments about our own soul. Think about the time that when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what took place during that moment? And the Bible says that when you repented of your sins, by faith you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that there was an exchange of your soul from your possession into the hands of the Father. And the Bible says that you were sealed at that moment With the Holy Spirit, there's a transaction that had taken place. So number one, if you're following with me on the outline, I want you to notice the purchase. The purchase. Seal always indicates that a finished transaction has taken place. Has been done forevermore and it has been taken place and that a legal right has been displayed. I was thinking about that the other day. And I thought about there in Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 8 through 12, there's a beautiful picture of God's promise just like a promise that he's made to you with eternal life. A beautiful picture. Jeremiah was recording about the time of when the children of Israel had been taken off into captivity. And there they were in a desolate land. And God had promised them 
that he was going to deliver them and bring them back into the land of promise through Jeremiah. He told Jeremiah, I want you to go and I want you to purchase some property in the land of Canaan. To prove to my people that I have promised that I'm going to bring them out of the land of captivity back to the land of Canaan. Now, as you follow the scriptures, you'll notice several things that took place. There was the terms of the purchase. There was the price. And the price was paid. And the contents was delivered. And the ownership changed hands. And as it changed hands, it began to prove God's promise coming to fulfillment. I think about that. And I I think about what took place when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That was the terms of salvation. That the Bible reminds me in Acts chapter 20. In verse 21, where it says, There must be repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That there is a term for my salvation. And the Lord says that if you want to be saved, that you must repent of your sins, and by faith you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible talks about the price for our salvation. There was a price. Just like the contents of that property, there was a price. And there's a price that has to be paid for your salvation. The Bible reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, pertaining to this price. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. The Bible reminds us that you were redeemed not by corruptible things, but by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. A price. And my friend, then there was the property. What is that property? It's your soul. My soul. When Jesus gave his blood... You exercise repentance and faith. The ownership of your soul is changed hands. That's why the Bible says you're not your own. But that you've been bought with a price. In John chapter 19 verse 30, you remember what Jesus said there upon the cross as one of his last sayings, it is finished. He used the Greek term telestai. Telestai, paid in full. My friend, I want you to understand that your soul was paid by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was paid in full. It was not a down payment. And it was not something that had to be made payments by monthly. But it was paid in full. The Greek culture. Back in those days when something was bought and as the contents was delivered, 
There upon those contents, there would be something, what would be known as the bill of sale. And on that bill of sale, it would have that Greek word, telestai, paid in full. That these contents was purchased, and they are now in the possession of another. And my friend, I want you to understand this transaction is when God at that particular time gave, when you gave your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he in return gave to you eternal life. Now, when I say that, there are some people think that you don't get eternal life until you get to heaven. But my friend, I remind you what John chapter 5 verse 24 says. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to have eternal life. I have eternal life right now. I received eternal life the very moment that when Christ came into my life. The city of Ephesus was a seaport town. And one of the materials that would come through that seaport would be timber. Many Masters would send their servants down to the seaport and he would give them authority to inspect the different pieces of timber. And he was supposed to pick out the very best. And when he would pick out a particular piece of timber, he would then take a piece of hot wax... And he would have a signet ring. And he would put that signet ring in that hot wax and he would place it upon that piece of timber after the purchase was paid. Signifying that that piece has been chosen, that piece has been bought, that piece is in the possession of another. And then when the master decides to go retrieve his contents, he would go and he would match his signet ring with all the ones of pieces of timber that had that insigma upon it. My friend, I want you to understand, that's exactly what the seal of the Holy Spirit did in my life. That when Christ came into my life, There was a transaction that took place. And when that transaction took place, there was a piece of property of mine was bought and sold and given to the Lord Jesus Christ, which was my soul. And at that very moment, my friend, there was the seal of the Holy Spirit proving the fact that it has, my soul has been purchased and that I am in the possession of God the Father. So, the possession has been signed. The possession has been sealed. 
And one day it's going to be delivered to the glory of God in heaven. Man, that's exciting. Oh, the assurance that we have here today. My salvation has been given to me by the purchasing price of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's go a step further. Not only the purchase that I want you to notice here, but I want you to notice the possession. Let's go back and talk about the possession that has been purchased here for a few moments. If I own a piece of property or I own something of that nature and there's a transaction that has been taken place, you go through the legal rights and the legal forms that making sure that everything has been done properly. And then, of course, there's transfer of ownership of that piece of property. All right, here, by faith, I've trusted Christ. I have repented of my sins. Here, the Holy Spirit has taken my life. And now it has become a possession of God himself. My friend, did you realize that you're God's possession? And he has purchased you. He now possesses you. Listen what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that you are bought with a price? And then the Bible says that you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you're not your own. Oh, my friend, listen what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Mm. He knows every single possession and that we are His. Then Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8 For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. For if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I am his, and he is mine. A seal signifies ownership. Just like a slave is owned by his master. During these particular days, as the Apostle Paul was writing, you could tell who was a slave during those days. Because of his right ear, his right ear would be punctured or cut or a marking would be upon his right ear. And there it would prove that he was the slave of someone. And that was called a seal. It signified ownership. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is our seal, proves that we are God's and that we belong to him. All depends upon 
that that purchasing price. Somebody says, well, I'm not a slave to no one. The Bible reminds us that we're all slaves to something. The Bible says in John 8, he who commits sin is a slave to sin. It's not who you're a slave to, but my friend, it matters of who is your master. I don't mind being a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ, he takes care of me. He provides for me. He protects me. See, that's what's so important about a slave. This we, as Paul constantly reminded us that he was a bond slave. Signifying the fact that my master provides for me. He opens up the windows of heaven and he pours out blessings upon me that I cannot receive enough. He protects me. As the enemy comes and tries to renounce my sonship and renounce my relationship with him, there my master is there to protect me from such a one. So we've talked about the purchase. We've talked about the possession. But let's go one step further. Let's look about the protection. I've already alluded to that fact, but let's talk about the protection just for a moment. A seal was a sign that the merchandise was under the protection of the owner and that the seal could not be broken. I'm reminded of the story in Daniel. Darius the king those who had come before him and said, there's those that are in your kingdom are praying to other gods. We encourage you and admonish you to make a law that unless you pray to me and worship me, you will be thrown into a den of lions. And he did that. And of course, Daniel prayed three times a day to the God Jehovah. It broke Darius the king's heart because he loved Daniel. And yet, even though he loved Daniel, he sealed that law with his authority. Even the king could not even break his own law. The decree of salvation which has been written in the name of the King, Lord Jesus Christ. And sealed by the Holy Spirit cannot be even revoked by God himself. When God sealed me through his Holy Spirit and secured me, even God himself could not undo that. Heard about a little lady one time. And uh, someone was talking and arguing with her about her uh, this matter of eternal security. And someone says, what if you died and you went to hell instead of heaven? 
What would you do? She said, well, I want you to know, she said, God would lose more than I would. So what in the world are you talking about? said, I may lose my soul, but God would lose his integrity. Mm. He would lose his honor. And so therefore, my friend, that I am in the hands of Almighty God, and even God himself would not break his law of securing me and possessing me. But let's go one step further. What about the power? What about the power of this seal? A seal is no greater than the person who makes the seal and stands behind the seal. I heard an interesting story at the beginning of the century. There was an English missionary in India had died. When he died, they came and got his body. But many of the villagers had gone and ransacked the property of this missionary and literally took some of his possessions. His, the missionary's family who lived in England had written to their English representative there in India and said, Was there, is there not something that you could do secure the contents of that particular piece of property until we're able to come and to retrieve it? The English council simply drove to the place where the missionary lived. He didn't put up any bars. He didn't lock any doors, but he simply put up a piece of paper upon the door. And this is what that piece of paper said. The British government secures the possession of this house. It will prosecute to the fullest extent of the law anyone who breaks this seal. And he puts a seal upon that door. And then he said, he put the king's seal. And there, would you believe it? That when he left, that one single looter came in and destroyed that piece of property. Or looted one single piece of item from that piece of property. Why? Because they knew that the most powerful country on the face of the earth was standing behind the seal of that piece of property. The power. My friend, I want you to understand, every time Satan tries to come, And he deals with me in the fashion that he's trying to steal away my salvation. Across my soul, across my heart, is the seal of the Holy Spirit. 
and the authority of God, who Satan is no match to, stands behind that seal. And He secures me for all eternity. I don't know about you, but that just blesses the socks off of me. (laughs) To think that I am so secured in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear people say all the time, well, that means you can go out and sin all you want to. Well, my friend, I want you to understand this. One great evangelist said, I do sin all I want to. I just don't want to sin like I used to. I don't want to sin. You may be here today, and you have wrestled with the possibility of doubting your salvation. Well, my friend, I want you to understand you have the seal of the Holy Spirit if you've trusted Christ. There's a transaction that has taken place. And there Christ has saved you and secured you and you're in the hands and the palm of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for blessing us today and reminding us of the authority of God that stands behind that seal. Thank you, dear Lord. That we are not our own, but we have been possessed by the Lord Jesus Christ, by His blood. And the Holy Spirit has placed that seal and written across it, Telestai, paid in full. Lord, I believe I'm talking to some here today that have never come to that point in place of trusting Jesus as their Savior. Oh, what a day. What an opportunity to invite Christ as their Lord and Savior in their life. There might be some here today that have been wrestling with the possibility of doubting their salvation. And they cannot enjoy that assurance of eternal salvation. I pray that today that you will just place within their heart that assurance and bring joy into their life. There may be someone here today that needs to unite with our church. Someone needs to come and be baptized in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone just needs to come and just thank you for saving their soul. For in the name of Jesus, we pray for these things. Amen.